you know, Gendy was wanted to really make sure we didn't go nuts with the blood just because we could. You know, I think I was probably pushing it a little bit more. He, they probably would love to say this, like all I wanted was blood. That's technically not true. I just when it when that one when he kills that one daughter of a coup, and the blood it needs to be a shocking moment. Yeah. So I just pushed it. Like I went like old school samurai movie. When he cuts it, it just goes like sprays along the wall and we're linger on her for a while as she like and then goes and, and we can see the blood just starting to just slowly drip on the wall then you cut you see here the deck and then the blood is spilling out over the stuff he was just like it just goes on too long dude <laughs> let's pull it back let's save it for the pooling that's all we, we just need to see it fly and we go blood for the first time and then it hits and then we see it pool and it's like okay but at least he didn't take out the other stuff because then, you know, he's got he's he's wounded and the shots of his hand along the wall and stuff yeah. like that and leaving the blood trail that all that stuff is very important to me. So all he did was just make sure that this mega Shogun assassin style spray, because I love those old Lone Wolf and Cub 70s movies. It's like we watched that shit to death back in the, when we were young and we fucking love it. So that was almost like an homage to that, but it was just a little too much at that moment for Gendy. So he, he pulled that thing back and it's cool. But um, there's so much in there that we finally were able to do that we were just chomping at the bit all the time to like do, you know, it's like so cool. Hey guys, it's your host, Julian. This week I sit down with one of my favorite storyboard artists of all time, Mr. Brian Andrews. This one was a long time coming. Uh, I've been a fan of Brian since I was a little kid, and I really didn't even know it back then. I mean, Samurai Jack, you guys know how much I feel and just care for this show. So that alone, I mean, he's got G14 classification for the rest of his life just by working on that show. Uh, you know, we talk about Samurai Jack, obviously. We talk Gendy. We do a little bit of uh, Hotel Transylvania talk. And, of course, we talk just very briefly about the Marvel Cinematic Universe and what he's done on there. I didn't want to go too deep into that because I figured we could have spent an entire episode, maybe even two or three, just on the Marvel stuff alone. I hope you guys enjoy it. If you guys are liking the show, tell a friend. And don't forget, give us a five-star rating. That helps so much. Thank you guys for listening. I truly appreciate it, and I hope you enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to What's in My Head podcast. I'm your host, Julian, and today I'm joined by Mr. Brian Andrews. Brian, how are you, sir? Good. How you doing, man? Oh, fantastic. Dude, there, this has been one chat that I have been slow. Like, it's been sitting in a pot on the stove just simmering for about a year and a half, almost two years now. Ever since I talked to Robert Alvarez, one of my favorite people, the fans have heard it so many times, a national treasure, Robert Alvarez. Hey, uh, yeah brought you up and talked to you, talked to you up. And then I've, I've had many talks with Randy Myers as well. And he's brought your name up and there's been quite a few people that have dropped your name. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited that we're finally getting to do this. Uh, so keeping in the tradition for the last couple of weeks, we've been doing podcasts with cartoon network family. Um, mm-hmm. So when you hear that term, like I said, we just passed the 30 year anniversary a couple of weeks ago uh, for cartoon network. When you hear that term cartoon network, man, what's the first thought that comes to mind? It's a samurai jack. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> but, thought. But before that, you know, obviously, you know, Dexter's Laboratory and, you know, Powerpuff Girls and all that stuff, you know, because because those guys were doing that, you know, and it helped really cow and chicken, you know, all those things that came out of that that shorts kind of, you know, program, I guess, back when they were all in that Hanna-Barbera, the old school Hanna-Barbera, you know, lot, the studio, you know. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, those are like a bunch of classmates of mine. They were over there doing that stuff. And next thing you know, they're over in Burbank in that building and they've got stuff. And I forget how I heard, but, you know, um, 
again he was doing a new show you know like someone else was going to be doing some of the dexter stuff he was going to start up the samurai jack thing and i man i totally forget like the details it's crazy you know time goes and memory goes but um i just remember at some point i don't know if like my older brother mark had had visited or was talking to him. anyways there was something going on and then it was just like um oh yeah again he's doing the samurai samurai jack thing it's like this thing and you know, they were like, oh, we should get you guys to do it. Because they, they would like have board artists. Some guys were on staff, but they needed stuff done with the first season. They'd freelance stuff out. And, um, you know, they knew from college and from our things we were doing outside of college that were like full on action guys and just, mm-hmm. you know, board dudes, whatever. Like we can do whatever. This is right up our alley. And so I think we, we went in and talked to Gendy for a second. And he was just kind of like, yeah, man, you guys want to do a freaking episode with me. <laughs> I'm like, and then we can do like whatever the fuck we want. He says, well, yeah, here's like the, the idea for the episode. You can roll with it. And they had some preliminary artwork. It was the Blind Archers episode. And they had some preliminary artwork that Dan Crawls, like a genius, did just to understand a little hint of some of the imagery. And he showed us like the test that Gendy and his company had put together, a proof of concept. Like, yeah, we want the stylized stuff and it's really wacky and then all this cool stuff and so designy and and then, you know, in his test, he's, he's doing different aspect ratios and popping and doing some of the anime sliding, you know, trick, you know, all that shit. He's like, it's like whatever you need, whenever you need it. It's like the entire grab bag of cinema is yours to play with. And we were like, fuck, yeah. Because, you know, by that point, we've been working for other places. And there's always like, you know, different people above us that have different opinions. And, you know, you're, working, you're trying your best to make things cool. But sometimes the bosses above you don't know how to be cool, right? So... But here's Gendy, and we've known him from college and everything, and he's allowing us to go fucking nuts. So Mark and I said, hell yeah, let's do this. This is a fucking hilarious. So we boarded the thing. Um, you know, we worked together. We boarded it. We split up in a couple sections, and, like, he was taking one section. You know, we talked about the story, what we wanted to do fully. And then and we boarded it, and, you know, you would, you've probably heard it, but you go in, you got four weeks to rough it, and then you go mm-hmm. and you pitch it, hang it all up, and you pitch it live to everybody. And then he gives your notes and then you go, you have four weeks to tie it down and get it in your little storyboard, you know, you know, pages and stuff like that. And there you go. And it was hilarious because Gendy just like I went ape shit. Um, it was like, I mean, there really wasn't any notes, <laughs> not really. And um, he basically said, this, this is Samurai Jack. This is what I've been trying to tell you guys. You know what I mean? And we were just like, fuck yeah. And he's like, you guys got to do another one. <laughs> and so the another one we did was, um, uh, also in season one um, and he came up with the idea just for us um, it was the Scotsman episode um, because he knew we cling tightly to the, the wafer thin thread of Scottish ancestry that we have we're like total Euro mutts and there's probably like very little to none Scottish but we were like even if there's 0.01 percent that's a hundred percent of who we want to align ourselves to in Scotland so and we have like kilts and everything Mark got married in a kilt and everything so um um and, and again he knew all this so he created the scotsman character basically as this mega version of mark in some ways and so we came in and did a pitch for that and we split up so we would tag team our pitches right so when we're pitching i'm jack and mark's a scotsman and mark is way even louder than i am so yeah gendy was just everyone gendy to this day would be like fuck why didn't i he usually record he usually would record the pitches just in case he needs to go back and check something for whatever reason those initial two ones we did either he doesn't have the tape or they just never recorded those yeah. um 
but but it, it kills him too because it's like it, that was me and him tag teaming it and mark saying all the lines like totally the scottish brogue and just like bellowing and screaming and, I, and i'm being like jack and i'm totally like steely because you know i totally i'm just being i'm doing my best phil lamar impression you know what I mean? yeah but people were laughing their asses off and in that board gindy had like fucking two notes only and one and one was just like let's be just a tiny bit wider on this shot and on this shot let's just be like a tiny bit tighter or something like like the, the, the most superfluous whatever totally yeah no problem it's fucking fine you know there was nothing you know so he he fucking loved it and from that point on but then I came on full time from season two all through the rest to work on a bunch. And then Mark would freelance out like maybe like two other boards. I think Mark did um, uh, a Scotsman's Wife all mm-hmm. on his own. And he did the Mongo all, all yeah. on his own. Um, otherwise, you know, I, I, I was paired with another good buddy of ours. I brought a friend in, um, Brian Larson, mm-hmm. um, who worked on like he was doing animation on um, Iron Giant. Oh. and then eventually he came over um and he was young he was also out of cal arts and then he, he he came over eventually and um got hooked up with me over when i was doing on um, jackie chan adventures and or, or actually men in black over mm-hmm. there um, for sony tv um because we needed some good board people he was doing that switch from animation to boards and was like i need somebody dude so i kind of like trained him to do that stuff and he was an avid learner and totally hipping with it so he picked it up fast so he had been right my, my right hand guy yeah and i was with him for um jackie chan adventures and then when it came time to do the samurai jack stuff I, you know they do partnerships of two and two guys like attack a board or whatever so i was like larson get over here with me <laughs> and like so we so he would always be my guy and we'd do those episodes those other samurai jack episodes together so it was awesome but yeah that's so when Car- you mentioned cartoon network a lot of a lot of stuff comes to mind you know what i mean just a lot of things and all the people that were working there on all those other shows at the time you know it's just you know, it was great it was a special time you know there's a couple things i want to circle back to and i've done this a couple times man but my uh i'm so glad you brought the iron giant my first tattoo was actually the iron giant and excuse my no must have an ass here and i don't know if you can really see it uh, yeah man it's it's them him sitting there on, on yeah the yeah yeah first time i got it i showed my buddy at work he's like is the iron giant taking a shit i was like no dude he's just taking a break on the mountainside he's like no he's taking a shit i was like fuck you man and i got really upset i walked in the walk and i was like oh man i just wanted to punch some shit but yeah man, uh, that movie is so special favorite animated movie in my opinion when it comes to animated movies that's the bar everything else really is just good. trying to meet there's other movies out there that that i think up there and they also happen to be you know done by brad bird ratatouille being one the incredibles being the other one um you know it's just it's a very special movie yeah but swinging back to to uh a couple of things you just mentioned man um when i when i had andy on whenever i have somebody on i was like hey i've got such and such coming on any stories that i should bring up or anything that i should ask them and he was like you might like this. It might just be something for throwaway, but you know, he, he brought up your kilt and he was like, yeah, the, the Andrew brothers, they're, they're really big into kilts. And he was like, he's like, I think it was Mark. They got married. And you, you, you know, you confirm that story. He's like, yeah. Mark got married in his kilt and everything like that. So he's like, he might bring it up. He might not, but he's like, yeah. just no, he was 
always over the place. And I think he, um, I'd have to go back and, and, and actually look at what he said. He was like, I'm not sure if he wore underpants underneath his kilt. And he was like, uh, <laughs> it might, it might be something you want to ask. It might not be something you want to ask. He's like, it's up to you. I'd have to scroll back and look and I'll, uh, I'll send it over to you. Once we get off here, I'll send you a little screenshot That's of hilarious. The, the stuff. But yeah, he, he had, he had the first thing he brought up. He's like, Brian's kilt. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, it's true, dude. You, you, I mean, technically, you don't wear anything under your kilt unless yeah. you're doing um, athletics, <laughs> so there could be proper decorum. So even even yeah. in the old days when they would wear kilts into battle, it's just like you're not supposed to be wearing nothing. But if you're doing the Highland Games and you happen to fall over in front of a crowd, you don't want to show off. You want to you want to have a, well, some sense of decorum. So, um, but you, you know, need them bangers and mash out. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so, no that's true that's 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 freaking hilarious yeah my, my bro when my bro got married they also um they honeymoon out in scotland for a month Ooh, and, yeah, um, nice. later later on when mark was um you know working on brave um and the brave was going to come out and they did all the stuff like in scotland and all these other things you know um uh, you know they did it you know for Pixar and everything they'd go and like look at look at the land and you know do their inspirational tours and stuff like that so Mark basically kind of followed the same path that he did when you know they were out there for their honeymoon and you know they had the at the time you know the acting prime minister of you know Scotland and Mark told him the story of of being out there for a month and that whole thing and what it was, as soon as they got off the plane and they get the first cabbie they get, usually, you know, the cabbie's like super friendly and super cool. It's just like, you know, where are you from? Blah, blah, blah. They're like, from the US. And, you know, we don't know where we're going. We want to see all the, we want to see the best stuff and not just like touristy shit. We want to see, like, we're here for a month. He's like, oh my God. And he pulls over and he pulls out a map and he spends like this chunk of time basically you got to do this. You got to go here. You got to see this. You got to go to like this, like, you know, pub. You got to go to all, all this stuff. And he basically laid out a thing and, that, and they followed that to a T and like, it, it was the most amazing trip ever. So he told the prime minister that, and Mark was giving such huge props. It's like, like, you know, your countrymen, it's like, you know, it was so it embraced us so much. It was one of your guys, just random real Scotsman just put together this thing for us. And I speak. So apparently now officially like somehow Scotland off like, um, I, I don't know on some official website something like they point out that exact that tour i don't know what's called it's it so but but the guy was just like over the moon over over mark and like how he was giving such props and the true story of how and, and i took the pixar guys there and blah, blah, blah. I was like all of this is because of that one fucking guy and so it made the dude really happy so it's, it's it's amazing you know how something so small can eventually turn into something much bigger you know it's crazy it, it really cool. is man and thank you for sharing that and i cool. uh i found on a i found that uh note from andy so on a personal note brian is not afraid to wear his family's tartan kilt i apologize if i pronounced that name incorrectly at formal ceremonies such as the emmys and annie awards uh, <laughs> since i'm a bit of a prude seeing him always made me uncomfortable knowing he was most likely wasn't wearing any underpants <laughs> keeping in tradition i suppose uh, you can ask him if he does or does not wear underpants and wearing his kilt question mark. That, yes that is that is <laughs> true like, but that's all I got. Huge respect for Brian Andrews. So much skill, experience, and knowledge. And that's from Andy Bjork. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, no, Andy Bjork's awesome. You know what's funny is, too, because back in the day, he was like a skater. Mm -hmm. Still is. He's metal. still shredding. He's, that's amazing. But his his hair was like epic long. Like he showed me. I'm like, dude, I've got hair envy because like 
when you were a teen, I wanted, and I was a teen, I wanted that hair, goddammit. And like, I wasn't allowed, but you were, and that's awesome. I remember once I was like working really late doing like a freelance board for um, Powerpuff Girls. And I think I did like one or two boards for Powerpuff Girls because we were in between. It wasn't, maybe it was like after Jack and maybe it was like before Symbionic Titan started up or something. There was something where there's like a little bit of lag time. So I like did one of these boards. Anyways, it was late one night. I had to finish it. So I'm out there at Cartoon Network in my little fucking bullpen downstairs and stuff. You know, I was out, didn't have an office anymore. I'm just in some random fucking cubicle next to people. But no one was around except Andy Bialk, who was working like a number of rows, like way in the distance in some big room anyway. But I didn't know if anyone else was around. I thought I was there alone. So I, I just, I was just having my speakers out loud without hearing any headphones. I'm just playing fucking metal, you know, like fucking good old school shit, you know, whether it's made in you know, Kiss, Halen, Metallica, just whatever, just like, you know, Oz, you know, Ozzy, you know, Randy Rhodes style or, you know, Jakey Lee, just, you know, fun, cool shit that I dig. Yeah. And, you know, I was doing that for like a few hours to like finish up my shit. And then when I was finally done, I'm packing up my stuff. He can hear like, so here comes Andy Bell walking around the corner. And he's just like, dude, that playlist, man, because he was over there working too, just listening to whatever I was pumping out. And he was just like, man Brock this is back so many memories man like that's like all the shit I like love and like I was like dude but he like gave me like honest thanks <laughs> and I'm like you can listen to the, any of that stuff at any time I was just because it was unexpected man it's like here I am working late and this is really annoying and then I start hearing all this fucking kick-ass rock coming from over the other side it's like yeah man thank you I'm like thanks man <laughs> it's so nice that he pointed that out and appreciated it you know Hey guys, it's your resident cartoon junkie, Brandon Jones, here asking you to have a listen to my Animation Destination podcast. It's an animation celebration podcast, and it's full of all sorts of stuff about anime and cartoons and voice acting and all that sort of thing, and just a really all-around celebration of anything animated. So come on by and check it out. We've got fan episodes of your favorite animes to your most obscure cartoons on Netflix that no one's ever heard of. And just really love talking about it. You can subscribe to us on Spotify and iTunes and anywhere else you can get your podcasts from. So stop on by, subscribe, and stay tuned for the Animation Destination Podcast. That's really cool, man. He was he was one of my favorite guests I've had on because he, like him, or like you, excuse me, uh, he would spend somebody I'd been chasing for quite some time. And I keep saying this in a non-stalkery fashion, yes. chase you guys and gals, because you guys mean so much to me. Uh, you know, I've, I've said this on so many occasions, on so many episodes, man. You guys gave people like me something to talk about with my friends. You guys helped me make friends because of the shows I watched, you know, shows like Dexter. You know, that was the mm, show yeah. I remember sitting down there watching uh, when it premiered. I was like, this, this is different. This is, I'm a redheaded dude. So I see this. I was like, you didn't really see too many other redheaded dude, redheaded characters and shit. You know, growing up, I had Matt Murdock, huge Daredevil fan. I had Matt Murdock, right? I had, you know, fucking Sean White. I had Carrot Top of all people. I, I, I grew to, I grew to hate Carrot Top without knowing who Carrot Top was. And then when I get a little bit older, I see him on the Comedy Central roast of Flavor Flav. I'm probably 14 years old, right? at the time so shit this is going back 18 years almost i think i can't do math i suck at it but 
33 now, whatever 14 was back then, um, 19 years. Uh, but uh, I remember seeing this and, and he's like, look, man, I found, you know, Snoop Dogg's first uh, stick up tape. And it's just him rolling out this van. And it was a VCR popping out of a van. I'm like, oh, dude, this dude, Carrot Top is funny as shit. I don't even know why I hated this guy. Uh, then I got mm. called Carrot Top every single day. Um, you know, so it was just I see these characters like Dexter. I see these shows like Powerpuff Girls. I see the show like Samurai Jack. And I've said it on so many occasions. I could not have appreciated the beauty that Samurai Jack was 12 years old when I watched it for the first time. Mm. No fucking way. And if I would have said I could at 12 years old, I wish I could go back in time and slap the taste out of my mouth at 12 years old. Makes <laughs> no fucking way. You know, I, I told this story with Randy and Robert, but I'll tell you as well. So last year, we just had our second kid. July 1st is when he was born. Um, right. So you've got kids yourself. So I'm pretty sure you've went through kind of like the whole uh, the shuck and jive thing too, right? So whenever you're getting your kid ready for bed, right? So you get him a bath and then your wife gets in the shower, you get in the shower and then you're with the baby reading them a story or her story. And then you're just mm -hmm. trying to do stuff so everybody else can kind of trade off and do what they need to do. Well, while that was happening, I would usually have them while the wife was in the shower. And then I was watching an episode of Samurai Jack a night. Right. Um, and I rewatched the entire series, probably for the first time in 20 years, almost maybe, maybe wow. give or take a few years. And I remember watching it. Not only did I not remember some of the key points like you would, you know, like you wouldn't remember 20 years later. Um, but it was just I, I remember just watching and being blown away and thinking like, man, was this the same fucking show I watched as a little kid? And I go to realize like, yeah, it was the same exact show. It's just you were too inexperienced to understand what was really happening. Right. Like, I, like I told you before we hit record, Gendy is the bar when it comes to animators for me, right? He's always been my favorite. But seeing Samurai Jack and then seeing Symbiotic Titan and then seeing mm -hmm. fucking Primal, it's mm -hmm. just like every single property he's ever had, it goes up a notch. It goes up yeah. a notch. It goes up a notch. And then everybody else is just chasing this guy. But sticking on Samurai Jack for just a few, man. Um, when you do that test, you, you mentioned the, the three blind archers phenomenal episode i mean just seeing seeing the close-up seeing peril in jack's eyes without him evoking any mm -hmm. kind of words right just force like i didn't know that i was watching a show that had very little dialogue right i was just on the edge of my seat the entire time as a kid yeah you're just following the story you know That's visual storytelling yeah absolutely right you know so seeing that and then seeing the scotsman for the first like anytime i see him i fucking crack up laugh like most people do he's a fun fucking character the design is so hilarious like when it they is. show us the design it's like and here's the guy we're like oh, fuck. like the sporin is the, it's the pouch that you wear in the front of your kilt mm -hmm. it's where you like put your car keys or your like food or your flask like whatever you need it's a sporin, right? But his is like this weird cat face, like, yeah, so funny. And then like a peg leg machine gun. It's just like, oh my God, you guys. Did, so funny. I don't know. I'm pretty sure that it's been talked about, but I know I don't think I've ever really heard it. But did anybody know where the design came from for him? Uh, I don't know if it's based on anything super specific. I think part of me wants to, there was a guy we knew in college, Mike Bell who basically is huge and red haired and kind of just basically seems like what you think that Scotsman drawing is. So part of me wants to, and, and, you know, everyone working at Samurai Jack, we're all pals that we, Cal Arts, right. was like Craig Kelman and Gendy and stuff. Mm -hmm. And like, um, I mean, Craig Kelman was like in my class, you know, yeah. like we started Cal Arts together and then Gendy and Robin Zetti, uh, Craig McCracken, all those guys, they were like one year below us. Um, they came in that, second year that i was there so i was a sophomore when they, when they were freshmen 
And um, so, I mean, we all know. And we, so I, I don't know. I can't remember, but I thought maybe they just used a memory of that. Like, remember mm. Mike Bell? Oh, yeah, you should look like Mike Bell. You know, maybe that was it. I don't know, because he certainly doesn't look like my brother. <laughs> so, <laughs> but um, but it's hilarious. So it, it, it may have been a little bit of that. Um, maybe. I, I don't know for sure. But, um, you know, I, I should... I ever talked to Craig Kelman at some point I should like ask him you know or Gendy I'd be like dude where'd you get that shit from like because I can't recall I have no idea yeah like I said I don't think I've, I I try to watch any interviews you guys have been in or read anything that you guys have written that way I don't ask you the same shit you've always been asked um, you know obviously there's some topics that we will talk about that I'm pretty sure you've talked ad nauseum about um, but I try to keep it fresh because nobody likes being asked the same fucking three questions every single sure. time it's just not fun, um, well, not fun for you. it's been it's been so many years though too so I, I might not even remember that like I was asked that a thousand years ago I remember for the, the the initial jack dvds that came out they put special features on the end of them and there was um like in gindy's backyard of his house they set up a bunch of cameras and they they interviewed us so i don't know if you have those old dvds but i do not know you should track those down because we did like we did they did like an interview and it's like lynn naylor is on that and gindy and me and um you know i think i think randy myers may have even been on one or andy Suriano. Like I forget, but I but I I know I for sure I was there, and so was Gendy. And there was a few others too, right? I, 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 but it's been so long since I've seen that. But um, so yeah, if you can track on those original um, DVDs, they have some of the special features. There there is some behind the scenes stuff, you know. Um, yeah. and they may even show clips of um, when either Mark was pitching the um, uh, Scotsman's wife, mm-hmm. which is crazy because Mark had lost his voice but he's still trying to like scream out at volume the way he does in his pitch, but it's all coming out like, <laughs> like totally raspy. But I think they show some of that on one of those um, special making of things. So yeah, man, you should, if, if you're, if you're a fan and you're curious, you should track those down and, and check that shit out. Cause well, it's like I've a got time a, capsule. I've got it written down and underlined three times. So I'm going to find it as soon as we off this call. I'm pretty sure I can get it on eBay or Amazon. You've got uh, it, man. You've got it. But going going back to Samurai Jack, man, when when you guys are working on this show, I ask this question all the time because I'm always curious to see what he, we, what each person that's worked on the show thinks. Um, obviously, you're working with Gendy. So you guys had that hit with Dexter's Lab and then he goes and helps Craig uh, and they make Powerpuff Girls. Right. So you're hitting hit, hit hit and then samurai jack comes involved or comes along at that point. Gendy, Craig, all those guys, Robert and Seti, Randy Myers, all these people that you guys have kind of amassed into this amazing team, Chris Battle, Andy, Andy Bialt, Craig Kelman, you brought up Brian Larson's that you said would come in later, your brother. Um, you know, you guys have this team, this very, very tight core. Uh, when Samurai Jack comes aboard and you guys are starting to work on this, do you guys know, or you specifically, do you know, like, man, this is going to be great because of what I'm watching, what I'm seeing. But when did you know Samurai Jack was going to be great? I mean, we just thought it was I mean, for me, because I, I, I knew those guys were doing those other things, but I was off doing other stuff. So I wasn't working on any of that stuff with them. Right. So um, so I would just see it from the sidelines going like, cool, I'm glad you guys are successful. It's awesome. You know, here um, I'm doing my best to try to work on like, you know, Men in Black or, you know, um, I did like a season of that. And then it was Jackie Chan Adventures. And before that, I did like joseph you know the straight to dvd sequel to like whatever you know um prince of egypt 
Um, so I did that. And before that, I was doing layout like on Quest for Camelot. Yeah. And, you know, all that shit. So I, I, I jumped around plenty. So when Samurai Jack came along, to me, I just felt like for the first time, I finally got to truly do unfettered, like the stuff I was trained to, A, trained to, trained to do in college, but also that I always wanted to be doing anyway, mm -hmm. right? Like, um, you know, it's unfair to say that, they, well, they trained me to do Samurai Jack in college. No, but they trained me to be a filmmaker. They trained me to understand cinema. And then whatever latent inspiration or skill that my brother and I had in us since birth, since we were always interested in films and animation and all that stuff, and we would just be trying to do it on our own before even going to school. Um, maybe there was some latent stuff, right, that was just always in us ready to come out. Yeah. And when someone said, oh, here's some of the tools, we're like, fuck yeah. And then we start building an amazing house. I mean, I don't know. So for me, it's like I had no idea how people would receive the show. I just knew. I was having a lot of fun doing the cool shit mm -hmm. that we wanted to do. And so was Gindy. He's like, fuck yeah, this is awesome. So um, I'm glad that it affected people positively and people had fond memories of it, especially enough to then come back and do that fifth season so, so, so late. So, you know, after the fact, pick it up right where we left off and like all that audience had grown and was ready for something that was a little bit, you know, darker, a little bit more pushed. It's funny too, because fifth season Samurai Jack is kind of the stuff that I always wanted to do in the initial seasons of Samurai Jack, but we couldn't, right? Because it was Y7. It was, it was, it had to be at a certain um, range. And like, I was always been talking again. He's like, you know, I, I love this, you know, episodic stuff, but shouldn't it be serialized? There needs to be some continuity as to what he experienced or what defeat he had so that we can build on it a little bit, you know? And it, it seemed like at an early days, again, he was kind of like, no, 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 it doesn't matter. But whenever I got an episode, I always think about the history that I had done earlier. So I was still trying to have some sense of continuity. So there was some stuff like some of the later ones when Aku's like messing with him with the time portal stuff. It's just like, Jack's got to be fucking pissed because yeah. <laughs> it's like, this is the way to get home. And the guy's like toying with him. You know, it can't just be like, oh, here's another one, right? He, he has to carry the burden of all the previous failures or close calls or just something. So we, we were we were doing our best to be cognizant of that, you know, ourselves anyway, because we would have loved to have it been more serialized. But I think Gindy would have too, but the network kind of said no, you know, because they want a kid to be able to turn it on at any time and be able to just enjoy a thing. I mean, and I get that, but I think kids are going to enjoy a thing regardless of whether it's an independent episode or if it's serialized. It just, I don't think it fucking matters, you know, but you know, they, they say differently. So, and they have the money. So whatever, yeah. we got to do what they say. <laughs> well, Craig McCracken had brought up the same thing because there was a, there was a question from a fan and it said, why didn't blue learn any lessons? And he was like, I wasn't, I had to hit the reset button at the end of every episode. He was like, right. we couldn't go into the next one because the same sentiment you just echoed. It was, they needed a reset. It was the same thing. Um, this is going to sound like a very dumb question, I'm sure, because you work for Marvel. But Brian, do you read any comics or do you read comics back in the day? Back in the day. Yeah. So for sure. At, at the beginning of every single Marvel comic book, that first page after the cover would give you an example. Say my favorite character of all time in, in the Marvel universe has always been She-Hulk. 
I fucking love Jen Walters. I think she's a phenomenal character. I think she's better than the Hulk. I think she's funner than the Hulk. If that's even a real word, more fun than the Hulk. Um, you know, it's just, there's something about that character that I've always connected with. Um, and getting, like I said, when you open the cover and it's like Jen Walters, cousin of Bruce Banner turned into the Hulk because she was shot in the back by a mobster. So it gives you that like previously on the last episode of such and such in every single episode or yeah. every single comic, whether it's issue 100 or 1000, they're giving you that first page just to give yeah. you a you know refresher. So I feel like that's what Cartoon Network was doing. Like, oh, this is why you like these characters. This is what these characters do. But I was in that, I was that kid who was like, I, I want to see growth, man. I want to see yeah. Boom to boom to boom to boom because there was so much more um, that so many other shows that you could watch that weren't specifically cartoons that I followed as a little kid. My mom and I used to love. I don't know if you ever watched uh, Tony Schlub and Monk back in the day. Mm-hmm. My mom and I loved to watch that one. Right? He was a detective that was a germaphobe. Didn't like germs. Didn't like touch. You know, oh yes, of course, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. that was such a great, you know, and it led into each episode. But you know, yeah. I would have loved to see what you guys did with season five in the earlier seasons um you know talking jack in season five for just a little bit because like i told you before we record i just finished it five for the second or third time uh, mm. this year re-watching it i gotta say man you could take all four previous seasons i think five has it beat and don't don't get me wrong all four seasons there's so many episodes in that five season five it's just you guys a swan song with jack totally well i mean we had so many like years in between mm-hmm. right to work and do other stuff so we're always still growing and pushing but i think even more specifically because i think we could have done something just as a, as amazing back then i, I totally believe we could have right yeah. it's just the nature of what we were allowed to do in the first four seasons for four seasons was totally different right so we were able to then do things in the fifth season you know it's tvma so we can push things a little bit and, and importantly it wasn't tv and me you think oh so now you can have like you know gore and sex and all sorts of stuff and it's like well that's not jack so mm-hmm. of course we're not going to do that right it just means that um um we can put our own guardrails on we can put our own parameters we know what the show is we know what the characters are now we can just explore a little bit more deeply some of the things we always wanted to do previously right yeah. it's just like so and it's, it's serialized it's telling a thing there's a fully you know an arc all that shit so we got to just sink our teeth into it more which is i think which was great and i think because we always would have loved to have done it, so we finally yeah. got the opportunity we're like ah oh, here we go <laughs> it's funny too because it's like um you know Gendy was wanted to really make sure we didn't go nuts with the blood just because we could I think I was probably pushing it a little bit more. He, they probably would love to say this, like all I wanted was blood. That's technically not true. I just when it when that one when he kills that one daughter of a coup, and the blood it needs to be a shocking moment. Yeah. So I just pushed it. Like I went like old school samurai movie. When he cuts it, it just goes like sprays along yeah. the wall, and we linger on her for a while as she like. Uh, and then goes and, and we can see the blood just starting to just slowly drip on the wall then you cut you see here the deck and then the blood is spilling out over the stuff he was just like it just goes on too long dude <laughs> let's pull it back let's save it for the pooling that's all we, we just need to see it fly and we go oh, blood for the first time and then it hits and then we see it pool and it's like okay but at least he didn't take out the other stuff because then you know 
he's got he's he's wounded and the shots of his hand along the wall and stuff yeah. like that and leaving the blood trail that all that stuff was very important to me so all he did was just make sure that this mega shogun assassin style spray because i love those old Lone wolf and cub 70s movies it's like we watched that shit to death back in the, when we were young and we fucking love it so that was almost like an homage to that but it was just a little too much at that moment for Gendy. so he, he pulled that thing back and it's cool but um there's so much in there that we finally were able to do that we were just chomping at the bit all the time to like do you know it's like so cool I'm so glad you brought that up because when you were talking, I want to make sure I wrote down some stuff so I did not forget. And uh, my handwriting sucks, but the first thing I wrote down was first human kill. Uh, oh, yeah. And then you go into it, right? So it's it's like, we're there, Brian. We're, we're, we're it's, here. It's, we're mind-melding. It's, it's so funny, too, because it's like, that's how Gendy will love to, like, portray that moment. But it was a bit of, it's a bit of a retcon. Like, so he'll say now, because actually he killed humans in Samurai Jack. Mm-hmm. Because there's the cabin of assassins oh that's right and, the, and and you've got those guys right you've got the one aboriginal looking like guy you've got the big crazy russian dude you, you've got mira from who's trying to do this to save her people you've got the 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 southern dandy um you know you, Two and, siamese you, twins the siamese twins you got you got all these characters and we don't show the blood but they're not robots and we fucking kill them right so uh, but because we didn't show blood so i think gandy was kind of like fuck because that messes up his ability to claim first person human kill so in a way he's just kind of like well we never got super specific we never said they weren't robots right and we never said it's like no body no proof of death you know yeah because we see them dead in the ground but we didn't see blood right yeah. so it's like hey did they whatever it's just like i get it. i know i know what you got to try to say but you know it's it's fine. People want to say, technically, he killed these other people too. But but maybe Jack has just forgotten about some of that shit because he went through many, 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 many years of PTSD. And part of us was thinking that he has the beard and everything, but it's taken him so long to do it. He's, you know, it's like 50 years in the future or something or more. And Jack is not 50. Yeah. Right. It's it's so it, it's because not only did the when when Nakuf sent him into the future, it messed him up. We came up with this whole thing that like all the years that he was thrown forward, he's got like that many years like in the bank, mm-hmm. just trying to catch up. So he's not gonna his he's gonna look the same for like a thousand years or something, right? So, anyways, we I was nerding out about all that type of you know weird side effects of time and um so for me i was like he just forgot <laughs> that was so long ago he can't remember that he killed those idiots in the snow um, but anyways it's, it's so glad but like like i said that that first first t- now that you broke that down man do you ever read the killing joke back in the day by alan moore yeah, like a thousand years ago. I mean, I barely, barely remember it, but but yeah. It, I'm pretty sure you'll remember the ending because it's Batman with the Joker's neck, pencil neck in his fucking grip. And then the last page is the Joker laughing, page goes black, and then all you hear or all you read in the onomatopoeia is crack or crack. So yeah. it's essentially leaving your mind up to... And there's always been this huge debate between comic book nerds and, and fans of batman and all this other stuff did he did he kill him or did he not yes 
He's laughing. You hear crack. His hand is on his throat. You hear crack. He's shot these people. He's raped Batgirl. He's did this all in front of Jim Gordon. And then it's letting your mind, you know, finish the story that Alan, he, they didn't hand it to you and say, hey, this is what we want you to believe. Yeah. But yeah. He fucking killed the Joker at the end of this one shot. You know, yeah. so until you said that, I was like, oh, man, that's that that's Gendy's killing joke moment right there. Did <laughs> did they die? I was like, fuck, dude, Brian, you broke this shit down so much deeper than I possibly could have. Yeah, but it's, some of it's accidental, right? Because at the time, we're just like, yeah, yeah, they're dead. No, no big deal, right? It wasn't until so many years later, he's like, oh, but that gets in the way of what I'm trying to say now. Fuck. So it's a little bit of retcon. But it's funny, too, because the, we, we always were going to have Ashi live. Mm-hmm. Because what fifth season samurai jack was um it was a version of what was going to be like a samurai we were jenny was going to do a samurai jack movie to wrap it all up and um you know animated theatrical release big thing over all those years but it would always fall through it always fall through so we had like three or four different versions of how the story could go so when it came time to do the fifth season my first question was like which version are we doing (laughs) you know and he's just like well it's kind of a hybrid because I like I like kind of how we were playing with this. The overall concept that we were always playing with, I think, is still valid. But here's some specificity. And the real curveball was like it was the time jump, right? Because that's one thing in, the, in any iteration that we were doing that was never there. So it was like a, a new inspiration for Gindy to the time jump. I was like, whoa, that we started breaking down the story and it, it freed us up a little bit. And then mm-hmm. Gindy had really had a clear idea what he wanted to do. But for the longest time, we were like, while working on fifth season, we thought there might be possibly more. Or we had like, like before he like fully locked in, he's like, no, we're done. I'm ending it for real, right? Um, it was either one of the other movie ideas with Ashi or it was the early stages of the fifth season. I can't remember because they all bleed together. Yeah. But, but he, she disappears and Jack can't let it go. And he goes and finds like this... Um, kind of like in honor of um the bride with the white hair there's a the, the hong kong kung fu movie that's super arty and crazy there's like this flower that can like heal you or provides like certain amount of magic so we're going to have like this flower this thing that had like the essence of time or something like, anyway it was going to be the thing he would need to 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 go get her because she's she disappeared she's like lost in time right mm-hmm. or something you know and he was going to get on this time worm and, and go after her. So eventually we would have like these episodes of like her and him going through time on doing adventures and shit. But at some point, Gendy was just like, no, 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 no. She's just going to be gone. And it's because so, you got to have that melancholy. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, and I kept trying to pitch like, oh man, because I've got to figure it out. Like we don't have to do the time worm shit. That's weird. But I know how it could work. And like, she's having this other adventure going there. And eventually he meets up. I mean, dude, I got it all planned. He's like, he's like, you can go off and write your fan fiction, but it's not going to happen. <laughs> I'm like, God damn it, man. <laughs> Cause I think at some point he was finally, he's finally done. He's like, this, this will be clean. This will be cool. We can put it to rest. It can be like a nice button on this whole, you know, thing that he had created. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Awesome. Good on him. You know, there's three things that I wanted to touch bases with, and I think we can wrap it up there and then we'll get into some fans questions and we'll call it. But uh, the three things that I thought was 
that might be more than three when I actually start thinking about it. As soon as we get off this call, there, this 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 Zoom call, I'm like, fuck, dude, there was 12 other things that I should have brought up with Brian. So I looked dude, like I knew what I was talking about. It always dude, happens. If, if, if you have any, just write them down. It, we'll, we can schedule another time and oh, do like a, a part two. So don't worry about it. Beautiful. That, that works for me. And I'm always glad when you guys want to come back on. Because like I said, I look up to you guys and I have fun talking <laughs> to you guys. You guys make my childhood, man. And now you're making my adulthood. But uh, the three things, one, the opening sets the tone right away that intro is my favorite i talked about this with craig and i've talked about it with so many times i'm pretty sure the fans are tired of hearing about it backgrounds 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 the style of samurai jack i really hope one day we get a book of it i want to see an art of oh samurai. no i'm surprised there's it i i thought that they were in process that they were actually don't quote me but i i i, I have a vague memory. i thought Something like that was being worked on. I hope um, so. It and, and, I, and I hope so because, like, I mean, Scott Will's paintings. I mean, come on, dude. Scott Will's that dude. Is so good. It, that 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 dude's another dude that I've been chasing for quite some time. But it's just that man, like Primal alone, like Primal in season five of Samurai Jack, the pinnacle of anything animated out there right now. I don't give a shit what yeah. anybody says. I, that's awesome. I mean, thanks, dude, because Primal was amazing. It was a blast working with Gimme on Primal. Um, I only was able to board on two of those because I was so busy with all the Marvel stuff, and it's a, it's a bummer. I think I bummed Gimby out, and I feel bad about it. But um, but but I helped him and Derek. We basically it was us, the three of us, just breaking down the whole season, mm-hmm. and like what this thing was, and and getting into all that pulpiness and all that awesome. And it, it was a it was great. We would just meet up at his house in the evening, you know, after the little one's gone to bed and be like, later wife, we'll be back in a couple of, you know, cause he doesn't live that far away from me. So, you know, we head over to his house. He has an idea of what he wants to do for a particular episodes. So we start talking about it and we start breaking it down in very broad senses. And then we have like a follow-up meeting to really start getting down to some specifics, but there's still some wiggle room. All of it is still just beat cards and thought. And then when it's finally, I mean, we're like, okay, that's baked relatively enough. Now it's time to get the board artist in here who's going to do it. And Gendy used a really tight group of boards. Like it was me, it was Gendy, and it was like one of our other pals, Dave. Um, and, I, and I can't remember, I don't think anyone else did any. I don't, I don't think Mark did any at, at that time. So, but anyways, so what you do is then you, you, te- you show the board artist, here's what we got. This is what we're doing, right? And they go, yeah. So they see exactly what it is that you want to do, but there's enough space for ideas. Like it's, say oh but if we, we can do blog so it's not like they're rewriting it or changing it completely but they're adding all the little specific awesome details fill in the last of the blanks mm-hmm. um so now you know exactly what the fucking episode is like from beginning to end no ifs ands or buts you get it so they can go off and draw it so never sat there and wrote a script it's just here's the beats here's the things we know we talk about it, we get it you go off and you board it and then again you can make whatever notes and changes you want and it was so cool and it's so freeing. And once again, it, it felt like it was one step more awesome than even working on fifth season Samurai Jack, right? Because it were, again, it was true. There was no one to answer to but ourselves. So fifth season Samurai Jack to, to, to you know, Primal, that was such an amazing period of doing such, such cool work because we just didn't have to, you just didn't have to answer to anybody. And that that's that's like gold you never get that that's what made cartoon network so great in the early days everybody forgets it and look at cartoon network now so many people's hands stirring the kool-aid 
And totally. this Kool-Aid tastes like shit, Brian. It tastes <laughs> like shit right now. Hopefully. No, it's true, man. It's funny because like some people that some of that stuff was starting to happen. Um, you know, at the end of you know, Samurai Jack, the initial run, I think, but also I think some of it was around we were doing Symbiotic Titan. Yep. Just made it kind of like annoying. Like there's people chiming in a little bit. It's just like, why, why do they have to say? And then Gindy had clout, so we didn't have to do what they were saying, but some of the up-and-comers maybe maybe were a little annoyed or pissed that they couldn't exert influence. So things started getting, you know, uncomfortable and unwelcome. So we're like, fine, we're fucking out of here. We can do this, whatever. But then, but Mike Lazo obviously went on to do Adult Swim. So that's why we were able to do, so we didn't call it Mike, you know, game called Mike Lazo. Mike Lazo would be like, fuck yeah, here's the money. <laughs> you know, go do the thing, right? So it's just like, okay, it's time to get out of that so that we can do, unfettered cool over here you know and that was great absolutely man and before uh before we go too deep into primal man what do you remember Sorry. what board you did no you're, you're perfectly fine no yeah i do um so um i did um uh rage of the eight men mm-hmm. and then i did scent scent of death so the one that comes right after rage of the eight men um yeah. so if you remember which which ones those were so those were those were a blast to do that that, that show like i was so there's there's three things that I, I cried over. Samurai Jack, I'll give you those real quick. Samurai Jack, the opening, beautiful. That scene with him sitting his back against the tree. Like I said, I try to stay away from this type of shit because it's kind of hard for you guys to remember. However, it's 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 one of those scenes, like, but it's just Jack and the intro sitting his back against and the snow's coming down and he just breathes out. And it's just there's something so beautiful, so quiet about that scene. I don't I don't know what it is. I don't have the words to articulate because I'm I sit in front of a movie. I'm I'm I love the movie. That's what yeah. I can tell you, Brian. I, I can't tell you, oh, I saw what he was or she was doing there with this scene and this scene. <laughs> I, I'm just I'm too dumb for that. I just like, yeah, movie good. I like color, right? That's that's what I that's, get from it. No, that's great. <laughs> you know, the other one was um when you see i don't even know what they were called i don't even know if they had names but they probably did and you probably know but the <clears throat> the spirit samurai the spirit shogun that was trying to get jack to essentially kill himself harry Car- yeah oh, the harry carry is that how you say it harry- yeah but that's like the brutal way to say it i think it's a, a seppuku or a seppuku i forget, I forget yeah. how you pronounce it but that's like the more official term yeah 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 so it was it was i don't know what it was just about that character that entire character felt so eerie Right, the yeah. green color, just him coming out, very hulking, very different than Jack. And then I loved how Jack's anger kind of made a play in this, the earlier episodes in the season, because you kind of see that flashback. There's a few totally. few episodes I go back to in that original run of Jack where I'm just like, holy shit, this is this should have won them every Emmy for the first two years of Jack. That episode where everything, where he's fighting, oh fuck, what was he fighting? It was it was when it was um. The white screen and there was everybody's fighting the white and everybody's fighting in the black jack i don't I oh, it, was the nin- it was the ninja episode yes yes that that episode i remember watching that and then like last year when i was re-watching it i watched that episode like three times in a row i was like what i thought the weed was kicking in a lot earlier than it was and i was like i don't remember this at all and then it's just going i'm like i'm mesmerized and my wife gets out of the shower and i'm just staring at the screen like this and she's like you okay i'm like go back in the shower do whatever you got to do i'm going to rewatch this again she's like well the baby's sleep we got to put him in. he's like he's fine he'll he's going to wake up in two hours he's going to be hungry I'll, I'll, I'll be here fine just go away i wanted to watch it again and i watched and i watched it, I watched it. so beautiful in that that angry jack episode 
There's mm-hmm. just something, and, and maybe it's because I'm taking my own personal experiences with anger. And I see that, right? If you remember Emperor's New Groove um, with Kronk, right? He had the devil and he had the angel on his shoulder mm-hmm. and they're always giving him. That's what it felt like with those anger issues, like having somebody else that felt like they were in charge of your meat vessel, right? They were driving the train. That's what happens when anger takes over. And I fucking loved how you guys brought in something real world into a cartoon. And even at a young age, I understood that. Yeah. I said, I'd go back in time and slap myself. I said, I understood anything at 12 years old, but I feel like I I understood that. And that's why I connected, you know, and it was the same thing. And then the final spoiler, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't seen this, the show's been out for five years. The season, the series finale ended five years ago. Um, (laughs) So three, two, one, you've been warned. Um, That final scene after Ashi fades to existence, because if Aku's not there, she can't be there. Him being sad and going through life and then him coming to the end. Uh, like, I thought he was going to kill himself at the end of the episode. The first time I watched, it, I was like, he's going to do what the Shoguns wanted him to do. in like episode two or three, whatever it was, mm-hmm. I was like, he's going into the woods to kill himself. And I was like, fuck, dude. Like, I remember being really bummed the first time I watched this, this series uh, or the, the series finale. And I'm like, dude, please don't kill Jack. I, I can't, I can't take this. I like, I started getting emotional and shit. And then I see the ladybug, right? I'm trying not to cry right now, but I see the ladybug fly in and I'm like, these motherfuckers did it. They got me to think for just a split second that Jack was not going to be here. And then that, that ladybug was, it was like the, the boat for the dead, the, the gondola ride for the dead, where they're taking the spirits and they're taking them to the afterlife. They're ushering them on saying, hey, your time is no longer here. You've done everything. You can pass on. That's what that ladybug meant to me. That ladybug flying in, that was Ashi landing. Yeah. That was Ashi saying, it's okay. Yeah. That smile, yeah. that smile from Jack made everything worth it and i did that yeah. without crying and i'm really surprised i did that because i was i was i started to feel it come on brian i was like yeah, that's awesome, dude. don't cry yeah. in front of your heroes don't cry in front of your heroes but it was so, so hey beautiful. it's it, it, you know it's good when you know art art or and or entertainment can like you know you know move you or inspire you it's like yeah. I, we learned this once a long time ago um with one of our story teachers ken ken bruce he's amazing when we were in college and he's just like it had something to do with about going into a theater and like, you know, why do some things make you cry and why do some things don't and, 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 and you know, multiple people watching the same thing that maybe not everyone's crying. It's like you as a filmmaker, you can try as hard as you can. You can pull push all the buttons, do all your stuff. Right. But it's, it's not really what, and, and that does play a part, but in the end, it's not really what you're doing. It's the baggage that the audience brings with them into the theater. We all have our stuff. So different things can hit people differently. Like for example, um, you know, I, you know, I love the Raiders movies, of course. I know everyone loves to crap on Temple of Doom, but I've loved Temple of Doom since I was a kid, just because I, I got past the things that were like failures. I just didn't see that just because I'm just like, it's Indy and he's kicking yeah. ass. But also just because I was such a nerd for the rope bridge scene at the end when they had the pneumatically air-controlled dummies to actually f- flail and kick. I thought that was such an incredible, like, real special effect. I, I was just so in love with it. I was just like, you guys win, right? So I overlooked a lot of the, the failings. But, you know, all the stuff with the kids, right? Because they're kidnapping the kids and they're forcing them to work in the mines. And there's that one bit where the one kid escapes and he comes back to his village and he brings that little thing. And that's what motivates Indy to go yeah. on the journey and, you know, free the kids and find out what's going on. 
So years, years later, I'm an adult, you know, fucking, you know, this was like, I don't know when, but the lo- some of the local theaters here, like the Aero Theater in Santa Monica, they, you know, they, they, they would play like all kinds of films, you know, and you can go see them again on the big screens. They were doing like indie. And so I was there watching that stuff. And I'm watching Temple of Doom. And I'm, and I'm older now, right? And I don't even think my daughter had been born at this time. Maybe, maybe, maybe she was, maybe, maybe she was, or maybe we, she was en route or, you know, I was, I was dating my gal who had eventually become my wife. I forget what it was, but there's something, or maybe because my older brother, he had kids, you know, so I'd been, you know, I'm a different man. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And they get that part and that kid comes around the thing and he goes, that part, he comes up against the rock and he's just like, oh, strange. And like all those shots of him trying to walk towards Indy in the distance and all that stuff. I don't, I, fe- I felt it welling up. It was, it was like the, the child in jeopardy and just my, the baggage that I may maybe have attained over the years from like being like 14 to being like 34 at the time when I was seeing this, or maybe I was 40 at the time, I forget. Um, you know, yeah, it was crazy, dude. It like came on like it didn't. And, and it was what's nuts is now I fucking been watching like Moana <laughs> with my daughter. And there's two parts in that movie that fucking get me. And, and, and it's in, it blows me away. Like, you know, so kudos um, to the dudes who, who made that thing. But again, like as my story teacher told, it's not necessarily them, it's fucking me. It's like whatever I have with me. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with Moana. Oh, I'm pretty. Watch it. So I'm it's, pretty the part where she, it's, it's the part where she goes into the cave and she awakens the spirits of her ancestors yeah. and she's on those big boats. And we go to that, that Lin-Manuel Miranda song and it's, it's them in the glory days of the ancient times and they're sailing. That fun, that gets me fucking misty-eyed because I project like, um, oh, look, that's how it should be. That's how they were. And whether it's white guilt or whatever, colonialism, you know, uh, oppression, all the rest, of, all the stuff that just takes from certain indigenous and native peoples around the world. It's like, it, I, I feel a sense of like loss and, but also at the same time, a sense of beauty of what once was. And like, it's such a confluence of emotions. And then the next one is at the end, when she realizes the stuff about Tafiti and she's walking out and the music gets all peaceful and calm and she's walking, the hair is all blowing. I'm just like, oh my God. I just, I'm sitting there with my daughter. She's just like watching and having a good time. And I'm just getting like, I get like Sterling, I, I call it Sterling K. Brown tears because like, it's, it's like you look relatively stoic, except I'm way weaker because my lip might quiver and you get like a single tear going down. You know what I mean? It's like straight up movie style. Anyways, no, I, I hear what you're saying though, dude. But but that, that's what that ending of Jack was supposed to be. It's like, you know, it's 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 okay. Like her spirit, she's not really, really gone. You know what I mean? The spirit is there, he's learned, he understands, you know, he doesn't blame himself or anything else. You know what I mean? He's he's way more zen mm-hmm. at that moment about it, which is which is great. So it, it seemed like he found inner peace with just yeah. that that expression, because you carry something like that. Now, obviously I'm not a man at a time. I don't know, you know, but seeing Jack, seeing movies like Encino, man, you see the strife in their lives, man. You see that they're a man out of time. This is not their time. They're, they're trying to get back to whatever it is they lost. And then you see very few smiles from Jack. There was, you know, some throughout the series, you would see some, but this smile was different. Like I said, it was just that finding 
inner peace. That's what everybody is chasing. And that's what I thought was so beautiful about that. And yeah. uh, like I said, you guys just, you guys absolutely crushed it with both primal and with Samurai right. Jack. Um, before we rotate in the fans or the two questions I give you before we get to the fans questions, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we have a little girl on the way, right? So this oh, is congrats, man. That's awesome. yeah. I'm, I'm so pumped. I'm so pumped because it, we have a 13 year old and now we have a one year old and now we have a baby, right? That's nuts. Dude, it's fucking wild, man. Like I said, I was in the Navy for a little while and the fans have heard this story before, but um, I, I don't think they've heard all of it. Um, my wife was told she was never supposed to have kids. I can't remember if I told the story on, on the podcast or not, That's uh, amazing. But, she, but she almost passed away. Uh, I think she was 16, 15, somewhere around there uh, in a car accident. Uh, she's from Massachusetts. Um, the hit a little bit of black ice seatbelt failed on impact. So her entire abdomen smacked into the center console or the the whatever that thing yeah center not center console is dashboard dashboard excuse me um you know so she's in medically induced coma gangrene a whole bunch of shit fucking happened right she she almost didn't make it right uh she's told she's never have kids and we had hayden our oldest and then 12 years later 11 years later whatever it is she's like hey i'm pregnant i'm like bullshit and then she's like no no i took these two i took these two pregnancy tests i'm pregnant i was like holy shit this is happening. And then it happens. And then you think, well, it took like 12 years. And I was like, I was supposed to get a vasectomy. I was like, but I'm like, ah, man, I'm 33. I, I shouldn't have a vasectomy right now. And I was like, let's just, we'll just wait a little while. And then fuck dude, you know, a little while ago, she's like, Hey, I'm pregnant. I was like, bullshit. And she's like, no, no, no. I took these two tests. I'm like, fuck, we're doing this again. This is wild. It took us 12 years, 11 years, whatever it was. And then it took us a little bit over a year and we're like holy fuck dude this is fucking wild so i'm i'm so excited because uh when i talked to uh i had to linda linda Semensky on not too long ago oh, and awesome. uh you know so she's one of those people i reach out to all the time when i when i've got a question about something uh, her robert alvarez randy myers uh fred seibert's another guy um like they always trying to point me in the right direction if i feel like i'm i'm being misled or i need a little bit of information mm-hmm. um so she was like, I'm excited for you. I can't wait because she's like, now you're going to, your, all your movies are going to change. All of your cartoons, you know, watching the toys you're going to buy. They're all going to change. I was like, no, no, I'm still buying toys, but I'm just going to be buying girl toys. And now I get to, I have a reason to watch more cartoons because my wife always comes and is like, watch cartoons again. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm watching with Hayden though. She's like, but you watch cartoons. So it's like, man, you watch those dumbass doctor shows that make me want to vomit. So leave me alone. These cartoons are fun. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited. And, uh, you know, a couple years ago when Frozen came out, I remember seeing everybody, like all the moms that were driving the minivans and driving the sedans, singing that Let It Go song, right? And then I remember I was going to get my comic books on a Wednesday. I just happened to look over and there's this lady that's fucking gripping, like white knuckling the steering wheel in her minivan. And I could hear this song, right? Mm-hmm. It's like that Adele song, Hello. Everywhere you went, you heard it, yeah. right? She's belting it out. like, And I look at her and I see tears in her eyes. I'm like, this bitch is crazy. Like, what the fuck is going on? Like, what is getting, why is this song so emotional to people? I never really listened to it, right? And I'm just looking over and I'm like, man, these people are crazy. And then I see a dude and I'm like, why is he crying, right? <laughs> then I find out I'm having a daughter. Then yeah. I actually hear the song. Like I'd listen to it. Right. So at, at nighttime, we, we put on Disney favorites on the little Alexa machine yeah, and yeah. we listen to the songs and stuff because Cooper, my youngest one, he loves it. He loves the music. He loves the movies. He loves the cartoons. He loves all that stuff. And then I'm just sitting there washing dishes one day and that frozen song, let it go comes on. And then it's like the chorus before she belts out and just becomes mm-hmm. Aretha Franklin of the frozen universe, right? Before yeah. that beautiful soulful voice comes out. 
And I'm just washing dishes and I just start crying for no fucking reason. And I'm singing along and I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm like, yeah. and then I flash That's back crazy. to that lady. I flash back to that lady that I saw in the car many years ago. And I'm like, I look at her and I'm like, why is she crying? And then I thought I was like, oh shit, this is an emotional song. This is a song about this lady that's been oppressed. This lady's been held back. Yeah. This lady that's been, been put into a box into a corner and told this is how she has to be. And that could be with a boy, that could be with a girl. It doesn't matter. Gender doesn't matter in this situation because people are put in these boxes and say you have to feel this type of way because you're X, Y, or Z. Right. Well, the thing is, it's a, it's a human sentiment, right? Yes. So, and and it's it's, it's fantastic that it was they were able to do it in Frozen the way they did it, and that song means so much to so many people because God knows, like women have been, you know, suffering under a patriarchy for a long time, however you want to call it. It's like there is historically tremendous oppression yes. against womankind, right? So, the song is insanely cathartic for that. But um, not that men could steal this, but as a human being, whether you're male, female, or anything that you claim to be, um, or are, someone at some point of all stripes has ex possibly experienced that yes. and or can relate to that in some way, small or some way great. And I, I think that's, you know, what film and storytelling is supposed to do. It's supposed to illuminate the human experience, you know, whether, whether it's, you know, ugly, beautiful, common, mundane, like any and all of it, right? It's, just, it's to help us grapple with this thing mm -hmm. that is life, right? That we experience. So that's awesome. You know, it's funny too, because in Frozen 2, there's the, the song when she goes into the ice and she's going to connect with the mom and, and they've got, um, you know, it's, it's, it's like a tandem thing with the, you know, it's, there's, that, there's that rousing kind of part where the mom comes in and says you've you are who you were supposed to be this whole time like you are all you need you know i mean you don't need to search for other bullshit it's like you are okay mm -hmm. they wrote that so beautifully that's the one that out of the frozen stuff that can kind of get me misty at occasion i think we've heard it far too many times now <laughs> like my, when my daughter was younger like it was it was all frozen style yeah. like fully um, so yeah, man, I've, I've, I've been there. Uh, she's moved on to some other things now that she's, she's, she's older. She, you know, she's six now. So it's once in a blue moon, she'll go back to one of the old jams. Like she'll select, she'll do dance party every night. Right. We play, she selects songs off the thing and she plays it. <laughs> it's funny dude. So go to the frozen world. And I'm just like, ah, <laughs> reaching back in the bag, doing for the old. You want to make dad stuff. cry again today, don't you? Cause it's funny. Cause now it's like, um, it's the live action. Some of the live action disney stuff like the like descendants right oh my son my oldest one loves that one she loves that shit and then she found the zombies one mm -hmm. where it's the zombies and the human kids and the werewolf kids and the whole bit and like so she fucking loves that some of that stuff too which is hilarious but she also actually rediscovered um the opening song for uh tangled oh many yeah. more things and so she, she she also digs on that one too so it, it's funny it goes you know it goes with the moods the flavors but she loves it yeah that's great no, no, so congrats man we, we wanted to have um i would have loved to have another girl we're basically one and done because we started mm -hmm. when we were late and old mm -hmm. um, so i don't think there's any miracle um pregnancies coming our way unfortunately because <laughs> we needed a lot of science help just to get us our our our, our gal that we have now and mm -hmm. my wife is like i can't even imagine having another it's just ridiculous we're we're old and like work is always crazy and it's yeah. just, it's hard. So kudos, man. That's, that's awesome. It, it, it kills me too. Cause I'll see toddlers 
you know, kids that are like one and a half, maybe two to the, to like, maybe like three and a half, four, that's like a magical yes. spot where all the adorableness is there. And yes, of course it's challenging. And yes, of course there's things that, that drive you nuts, but you always look back and go, Oh God damn it. But you're so ridiculously adorably cute. And like, everything is so brand new and the communication is starting to come out even more so. And you're seeing the bubbles of like the actual personality truly. And, and, choice and, and mm-hmm. legitimate interest it's oh man it's a magical time so yeah congrats man you get to go through that again that's cool thanks and and last last thing i, I want to tell you before before we hit the fans questions man but uh the reason that i'm so stoked not only are we bringing another kid in the world with my oldest one the first four years of his life you can completely write me out of the books i was deployed deployed and deployed i mm. I did not like once he turned two, I was gone or two months, excuse me. Once he was two months, I was in a different state, even though we were only three hours apart. We were in Washington state. We had to go down to Portland. We weren't allowed to go home during the week and we had duty and I was only allowed to go home one day a month for, I think it was like two and a half, three months. And then we deployed for, I think it was seven months. The first deployment and every other deployment was nine months after that, you know? So, I mean, I was stationed in Southern California. They were back out in Florida where we're at now in Orlando you know, so I wasn't able to see any of them. So I missed first words. I missed first steps. I missed first boo-boos. I missed first everything. That's and when, when Cooper, when we found out we were going to have Cooper, our, 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 our middle child now, um, I was ecstatic because I was like, oh, this is, this is like a redo. Not in a sense where I can recapture everything. I didn't, sure. get to, but this was like, I didn't get to see anything. I didn't get to yeah. experience anything. I didn't get to have that bonding that my wife has with the oldest, right? So I felt like inadequate as a man. I felt like I made the worst decision. And I still feel like, I still feel like I made the worst decision in my life was joining the military. I got hurt neck and back, fucked it up, you know? And then the worst thing was, is I fucked up a relationship that I had and I missed all of the, not all of the good things because my oldest son still does good things. He does great mm-hmm. things, man. You know, he does some stupid ass things, but what kid doesn't, what adult fucking doesn't do stupid shit. Right. But it's just like, I missed all of that. And that, that hurts so much. That's, that's what the stuff that would keep me up at night still keeps me up at night. Um, so I get to experience that with Cooper and I'm like, Oh, this is so fucking cool. And then right when he starts walking, right when he starts taking his first fucking step, I start crying and my wife sees me. She's like, why are you crying? I was like, cause I didn't, I didn't know him walking would be a happy day and a sad day. And she's like, well, what do you mean? And I was like, I'm never going to get to experience this again as a dad. Granddad is different. You know, that doesn't count. An uncle doesn't count. It's not your kid in a sense, right. you know, but I was like, I'm never going to get to experience this again. And then she was like, but you will. And I was like, what? She's like, yeah, get another one. I was like, fuck off. Really? <laughs> And so yeah so that like That's i said hilarious. yeah it's, it's just really cool man and thanks I'm, I'm really stoked for it because i never thought i'd have one kid let alone two now i got a third one on the way and i got a little girl man i'm so fucking pumped dude That's um great. yeah right so all right man we'll get to the fans questions i've uh kept you on here long enough those two questions i gave you before man so you got a mount rushmore all right people plus one who would be on your mount rushmore and who would be on your honorable mention you know, it's funny because when you gave me the, the preface for that, it's like, you know, my thought was like, in what context? Like, is it Mount Rushmore of artists, Mount Rushmore of friends and family, and Mount Rushmore of movies, you know, it could be anything. So um, a, a variety of them came to mind. Um, so I'd say, you know, just 
a game we would always play is what are your five five top films you take to a desert island <laughs> like one, that one. one of them that's all you get right so this is kind of similar right and so i'll go with films and the thing is it was so hard for us we've been playing this game since college and depending on your mood any given day the thing mm-hmm. changes but for me some of the constants um it's it's raiders of the lost ark lawrence of arabia um uh you know just ones from childhood right ones that have inspired me and carried me through into adulthood it was like those two but also i loved excalibur i loved conan the barbarian mm-hmm. and honor honorable mention amazingly enough why would it be an honorable mention it looks star wars right yeah you think that'd be in the main list but but that's for me of a particular age and those things stay in, in their own perfect little isolated pantheon Absolutely. but then you get older and you know other movies come out and you're like that's fucking amazing so there'd be a time when like braveheart would have been like fully on the list or heat you know what i mean Ooh, that's a good one i fucking love fucking heat you know um i'm trying to think of some other ones that i've seen recently like there will be blood i thought was you know incredible it's just like oh shit look at that <laughs> you know like that's how you make a fucking movie you know what i mean there's just there's so there's just so many Mm-hmm. Uh, because i think like those four without honorable mention for movies is like kind of like it's always been like an old school go-to yeah yeah man and then then but then you can have another one for like music <laughs> like bands it's funny like um i love my rock but i also love like swing music dance music but i also love orchestral movie sound scores um fucking love all that shit but when it comes to rock we've i think i've known people like friends that they every fucking band seems to be like their favorite band i'm like yeah. no no no. what is your true favorite band there's like probably one maybe two that like who's zeus in your pantheon <laughs> you know what i mean and for me like the first number one band i always like fucking love to death was kiss mm-hmm. so kiss was always number one until i real until maiden iron maiden came out and so, so in my pantheon it's like a co shared pantheon it's kiss and maiden but they're they're tops for different reasons yeah that under them under them would be like, um, uh, oh my God, uh, like like Queensryche, you know what I mean? Um, you know Metallica, you know, um, you know. I, I discovered Dream Theater in, in college. I like Dream Theater. Rush, Rush. Would be oh totally man, good. they're so they're. I don't know if you can talk about it, but I, I smoke a lot of weed. Uh, Rush is one of those bands. I don't know what it is. Maybe they were into weed too. Who knows? Uh, but they're one of those bands. That I love sparking a joint too. And then Dude, Vital Signs, awesome. my favorite song from Rush. There's something about that. But I'm so glad you brought up Rush because they're not ta- talked about enough. No, I did. I love Vital Signs. I think Moving Pictures is because that's another game we play, which which is your top Rush album. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my brother is a huge Rush fan He because my brother is like an exceptional drummer as well as being an amazing animation guy. It's like because like that was like one of the first real like he always knew how to draw amazingly well, but he taught himself how to play the drums. And like, mm-hmm. you know, it kept on going throughout all the years. And, you know, he was amazing um still is um but moving pictures was the album he had we had we listened to it all the time was along with along with our kiss and stuff but uh, you know peter chris can't hold a candle near pert right so mark would like practice with the rush album and it's funny too because now in our elder years elder years you know <laughs> we got older um you know my bro he worked on um john carter warlord of mars he helped co-write that he second unit directed on that stuff with andrew stanton and all that type of stuff but and i went out to visit him um in london for like a week when they were shooting that fucking thing which was awesome and fun to do but andrew stanton is also a huge rush fan and apparently getty lee 
has because his wife i think is is english but they have a house out there a flat out there not far from where they're shooting somehow somehow it got worked worked out where people talk to people and getty lee was going to come visit the set and i'm like what <laughs> you know what i mean and like and mark's like yeah because apparently this thing with andrew stanton they're all hooked up and you know andrew stanton knew that mark was like a huge rush fan so so we got to meet getty lee and like i got this awesome photo of mark you know getty lee's just there in his coat and it's cold and he's out we're outside in the set and he's like looking around mark's like blah 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 explaining things anyways they hit it off and um time goes by and you know i guess they exchanged a few a couple of emails or something at some point anyways mark eventually you know he's brought in to help finish brave right and as a result they win the oscar for brave right because that's an old pixar movies win yeah and he gets this fucking email from getty lee out of the fucking blue like the next day or whatever and, and it's just a sweet adorable little email and it's saying hey hey mark uh, my wife and i just got back to the house from like you know you know um being on vacation or anyways turn on the tv just in time to see you walk up and win an academy award oh my goodness how wonderful for you so cool so nice to see sweetheart right well that kind of little loose contact kept on a little bit so when rush was doing that what eventually became i think their final tour yeah which we didn't know at the time was gonna be their final tour otherwise i would have made sure i was there but i fucking wasn't but they were playing down in la and mark got to go down and um hang out like in the forum he was able to be backstage before soundcheck and escorted neil pert's drums to the stage that's so cool and I think he was given the option to like, you want to get out there and play? Cause I knew he was a drummer and, and I can't remember, but I think he like actually said no, because it's like, no, no, this is hallowed ground and I'm yes. not going to fuck up his shit at all. Like I have too much respect for it. It's like, I appreciate the offer. If I remember correctly, he denied, he, he, he respectfully declined. Um, if I, I hope that's the, I, that's what I remember him telling me, but I, I can't. And then speaking of Iron Maiden, my bro just recently directed the Iron Man came out with a new album and they've got a music video out um, writings on the wall or something like that. Anyways, it's all this animated and it's animated in an old school kind of like old 1980s heavy metal movie mm-hmm. kind of way. But um, he helped direct that video. So we got to meet Bruce Dickinson. And so Bruce Dickinson eventually like he's got his fucking phone number and like they're like, you like Bruce Higgins is like before they start the tour they're rehearsing like in some hangar in Santa Monica I don't know where the fuck they're doing and he's like but anyway so Bruce is hanging out he's like hey man you want to get some lunch and he's like yeah so they have like this three or four hour lunch and they're talking about all sorts of shit and like they're fucking because we also do not only just the martial arts but we also did a lot of um European um rapier uh rapier and saber sword mm-hmm. fighting and fencing as well and Bruce was a champion in all that as well really so they would talk like yeah yeah during um, I don't know how familiar with our Iron Maiden, but um, in nineteen in the nineteen eighties, when they're having like one of their biggest tours ever for the Power Slave, they toured the world. You know, Power Slave is amazing, big, great album for them, and it was a huge fucking tour worldwide, everything, all that shit. Um, Bruce, they played like multiple sold out nights at the Long Beach Arena down here in California, and so Bruce in the day drove up to USC to compete in some fencing competitions. <laughs> And, and, and before the show and then went back and then did the show and then um that was getting ready in time for like you know the 84 olympics were coming up um and then prep for before the 84 olympics bruce was actually selected i think to be the team captain of the one of the british team 
That's insane. Groups because he was ranked, I think, sixth in the fucking, if not the world, he was ranked sixth or first in Britain. One of those. Anyways, he was a fucking high level fencer, mega high level fencer. And so they they picked him to be, you should be the team captain of this, of like group saber or group, like whatever it is. And he had to say no because they were going to be on tour for this, for this album. Can you fucking believe that shit? Anyway, so, so, but I just think it's funny that, that you talk about childhood heroes. It's like, here's my bro, kind of like, yeah, man, once in a moon, blue moon, I get to chat with Getty Lee and Bruce Dickinson. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> fucking insane. Insane, dude. Insane. Anyway, so those would be some of the Mount Rushmore's. <laughs> it's funny where, it's funny where life kind of takes you, man. Uh, Who knew? Who knew? It's insane. It really goes to show you how big this world is and yet how small it really right. is, you know? Um, that other that other one I wanted to ask you, man, uh, two books on your shelf that you think every fan of animation or anybody in animation should have. What two uh, books are you throwing out there? Um, you know, it's funny. You mentioned, you know, you've said that people have mentioned Illusion of Life. And, and it is true, especially if you don't know. One that was hilarious, um, I would say, if you're truly learning to an- it's just straight up anime. Um, Preston Blair's Art of Animation because like we had that when we were kids and that's kind of how we kind of learned a lot of shit before we ever went off to college and anything like that um so that's a great one but uh personally I think um you know I've got a bunch of um Miyazaki's storyboard books the storyboards he did for his fucking movies and like those things are gold to me like they're so good and you can see like here's my here's his drawing and that is the shot in the movie. There's no fucking around, right? It's like, yeah. no, here it is and there it is, right? Love that. So um, when I discovered that those things were out and you can get them, you know, I was like, hells yeah. I mean, we had already gone through college and so but then it, 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 you can still learn so much, right? And I fucking love it. Like the one from Porco Rosso or Lapita um, or Kiki's Delivery Service, fucking, they're so good. I fucking love them. Um, the only other thing I would think of is like, the combined big mega complete graphic novels of of all of akira mm-hmm. um i think that's fucking great I, i've i learned so much um because that that came those books came out when i was in high school and um and then they was followed up with the fucking movie which was insanely groundbreaking and incredibly it's still groundbreaking even to this day in in, in many respects but um the graphic novels we were looking at and reading first and then it was like and then there's a movie and it just blew me away but you know it wasn't until much later we finally got the full unfettered run of the graphic novels you know because they really put them in the back up yeah they're back up there and um on my shelf and um i mean they're just so amazing just the, the, the illustrations are so dynamic and so cinematic you know um so infinitely you know, infinitely um, inspirational. And, and also, I think when we were younger too, we had um, Masamune Shiro's Appleseed. Mm-hmm. And it was similar in that way where there's a lot of cinematic, you know, um, panache to how they would handle some of the panels and stuff. And I think that stuff just got ingrained, you know, because we just consume it. Yeah. So then when we're learning boarding, it's like, I'll give you another one too. When we were young, probably too young to have these books but we had all four of frank frazetta's books there was the famous four books that he did right um of like the art of frank frazetta but there was like four classic ones they're out in the 70s totally dating myself 
we had those in the 70s right and my, i think my mom was kind of like are you sure because all these naked sketches and women and all this type of stuff like this my dad was like it's like life drawing right it's like right like kids draw all the time and they come on they should see this stuff it's fine but i'm glad that they did because the way frank frazetta can make such a still image have so much energy like the poses he has and that stuff we would look at that stuff fucking constantly from like when i was like eight years old throughout the rest of my life so by the time we got and we're looking at that and drawing it it must be sinking in um because even to this day i will get comments about how we pose our characters like man so much expression such a shitty little chicken scratch you did but i feel all of the energy I think it's because of a combo of like growing up on Frank Frazetta poses and, and some of that stuff from, you know, Akira or Massimo Nishiro. There's just, a, there's just an energy yes. um, that even if it's a static image, it still conveys so much movement. Um, I think that's ideal, especially if you're doing boards, you know, cause a single moment you have to, you have to sell it. Yeah. Yes. Um, th- those would, I, those I think are infinitely inspirational, at least for me. Well, thank you, man. And any of the folks that are listening, pick them up. Yeah, Um, yeah, dude, I'm so glad you brought up. I've been doing this almost two years now. Actually, no. Obviously, you guys will be hearing this a couple weeks after. Today marks the day that I dropped my first episode. So happy anniversary, Brian. We popped this cherry together. (laughs) Um, But but yeah, today marks two years. Um, And this is the first time Frank Frazetta has ever come up. And I'm kind of bummed about it. Yeah, I'm kind of bummed about that. We we worship Frank Frazetta, dude. I've got I've got more than one of his books, like like literally, like right over there. Yeah, I, I just, I mean, I we wouldn't be we would not be the artists we are today without fucking Frank Frazetta, um, mm. hands fucking down. I mean, it was just so fucking um, inspirational, like like the stuff he did for the Conan covers, and you know, and not only that, but like all artists oh frank frazetta like a huge debt because he was the one that broke like the fucking ceiling Mm -hmm. um allowing artists um to own their own work because back in the day like if you did stuff for the cover of a book or whatever the company like everyone owned they bought it from you you didn't have it anymore and frank frazetta was like fuck no it's mine like i'm allowing you to license it to these books and you pay me and I'm keeping the fucking painting. And every time you print my fucking shit on your book, you pay me. Mm-hmm. And but because like his painting sold books, like it was the first time that you judged a book by its cover. Like people yes. bought the books because they're like, this fucking painting on the book, and they bought it. So he changed the game. And um kudos, you know, fucking amazing that he did that because like it literally changed how um artists were able to be um paid for their work. There was a time before Frazetta, there was a time after Frazetta, you know, in regards to that specifically, which is great. The other thing, too, um, I'm also a fucking, and this goes to like, what if, uh, you know, maybe we'll talk about what if at some point, like on another thing, but part of the look of what if is because I love fucking um, uh, J.C. Leindecker. Yes. And his stuff is incredible. And he's another icon that also predates Frazetta but I think Frazetta probably pulled a little bit from him as well because he was the goat he was like the number one artist he inspired Norman Rockwell who basically aped his shit and then just took it to a different direction but um so yeah I think I think the illustrative works of J.C. Leindecker are also 
um, infinitely inspirational. So if anyone can find books on him, there was a big, thick book about his life and his art that came out. Um, I have that one over there. It's like, that one's fucking great too. And there's an awesome one that in Japan, they printed one. It's a smaller one. I, I actually, oh yeah, it's right here. Sometimes you can find it on eBay, but um, this one is great. You know, it shows so much stuff. It shows so much stuff through his, and speaking of kills, let me show you this one. Ha <laughs> Holy shit. But he's so, so good. Um, just because, you know, his art alone, but also because it was the golden age of advertising, like the early 1900s, all the way up until like the late 30s and stuff like that. And, and 40s, he was working. Mm -hmm. But his, his stuff... Um, was indicative to American pop culture because um, football and Thanksgiving never went together until Leindecker did an advertisement painting painting that put like a pilgrim really? and a quarterback, and the and 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 he was the one that brought it together. He's the one who designed the classic Santa Claus suit that everyone rips off. Everyone thinks it's Coca Cola, but it was actually Leindecker long before. Um, what the fuck, man! I've been lied to my entire life. Yeah, and I, 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 that's what I, I think that's the case. So I, I could be wrong, but I think that's the case. And then also like how, like Easter, how we celebrate Easter, and some of the decor, the fashion that goes with it, because he would illustrate these moments um, for the Saturday Evening Post on the cover, and it started to become a thing, and people wanted to emulate it. And then the ads he would do for shirts and suits and stuff, men wanted to look like a painting, like one of Leindecker's men in the paintings mm -hmm. and women wanted to marry the men that were in the paintings you know what I mean? he had such a hand and apparently the um the, the famous novel the great gatsby really was inspired um the the author who i'm totally blanking on his name right now so shame uh, on me. uh fitzgerald um f. Scott, yeah, f. Fitzgerald. F. scott fitzgerald yeah f scott fitzgerald you know the crazy parties that the, that Gatsby was throwing was inspired by just hanging out with Leindecker, <laughs> because Leindecker's place was a hub of fashion, like the Roaring Twenties. The look of the Roaring Twenties was because of Leindecker, because people wanted to look like the way Leindecker painted his people. So he was set in the fashion stage because he's like, "This is attractive. I'm going to paint this," and then people would come out and people were like, "I have to be that," and they would go do it. So he so important to american culture and people just don't even realize it yeah so yes so find books online decker and consume <laughs> he's amazing the yeah. other artist the other artist one last one i'll give you was gustav dore um who's incredible he he was even before line decker and he was in um, france but um he was like mega super illustrator and they would do woodblock engravings off his pictures and they would print them on mass mm -hmm. so he's famous for illustrating like the bible and his his images are full of like it's all black and white dark and shadow and stuff and it's, they're so theatrical that um um when when movies first came to the screen a lot of filmmakers tried to emulate gustav dory's illustrations and light the films like his illustrations right so like cecil b de mill all these guys they're all just trying to make their shit look like his drawings because he did them like 80 years before they made those movies you know what i mean so he's also incredible so if you're looking for inspiration too like that shit's great
Beautiful. We'll check that out. And the last one before we get to a couple of fans questions here. And I intentionally stayed away from anything Marvel because I knew we'd go down a rabbit hole and I wanted to save that one specifically for an episode. Um, Cause I, I'm a huge, I'm a huge comic book fan. Um, but this one's fun because this one is actually how I started to uh, chase you down and try to get you on my show is the animation recommendation. This is where you get to throw out a name and say, Hey, I think this person have fun on your show. Who should we reach out to? Who's your animation oh, recommendation? Uh, um, have you talked to Andy um, Soriano? I have not. No. Uh, he, he, he did the new, that new version of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Rise. Yeah. And, and like, um, I think there's one that's coming out right now, but there's, a, there's this other one. He, he was, in Rogan. yeah, but he, he, um, he was, he did a lot of stuff with us on Samurai Jack over the years as well um you know he was he was awesome he would he, i think he also would have helped out with like you know like character design and stuff um yeah he's 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 awesome dude he's great and he's doing a lot of good stuff these days too because he's moved on so he's like you know directing things helping produce things and stuff like that so he's great but also paul rudish i don't know if you've talked to paul rudish i have not he's been uh elusive he's, he is very elusive um but if you could get him he's he's fucking great we love Paul Rudish. There's just so many, you know, you've talked to a ton of the dudes, you know, yes, which, which is fantastic. Um, um, you know, yeah. Or you can talk to my old buddy, Brian Larson, the guy's fucking genius. I love that guy. Yeah. I've got him written down too. He's, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's, 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 he's fucking great. So, I mean, there's no end to incredible people um, that you could be speaking to, you know what I mean? So that's great. And if you, if you're curious, one of these days when we're talking about the Marvel stuff, um talking to any of the artists that we have you know like on, on what if whether it's um you know the old school legendary paul the or if it's um some of the new blood that came in um cynthia or christina um you know they're i'm sure they, they, they have younger paul has an epic career the, the others have their a young career but just depending on what your interest is you know you can you can hunt some of those people down and talk to them about stuff but um they're cool. I mean, hell, Paul is saying he designed the Eye of Sauron for like the Lord of the Rings movie. So it's like, <laughs> that's a claim to fame for sure. <laughs> What's on your resume? I created the eye. What I? Yeah, I don't have to explain. I created the eye. Look me up. Google me, bitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's so fucking insane. Um, but yeah, it's funny, the the Marvel thing. So I showed my son Beetlejuice for the first time a couple years back, right? The oh, old Tim Burton one. And I was watching him like, just, you know, out of the corner of my eye, I kept looking over, see what he was doing, see, see what he was going through. Because when I watched that movie at his age, I was blown the fuck away. I wanted to be in the makeup design. I, Rick Baker, Monster Maker, that was what I wanted to be when I was young. I love Rick Baker. Something beautiful about, like, two hands, four hands, six hands, whatever it was, created that. Created the werewolf, created this, created that. I just thought it was fucking crazy. It was magical. This is what movie magic was. Um, then I get older, I get into other stuff, and I just didn't follow that dream. Um, but I'm watching my son and then at the move after the movie was done i was like so what'd you think hayden he was like it's okay i was like dude you're nine years old what do you mean that was okay he was like the the graphics the cgi just didn't look cool i was like first off all of that shit was built by hand man none of that was done by a computer yeah. i was like second of all we just got done watching the avengers at, the, at, the, at this time i was like not mm-hmm. everything is supposed to look like the fucking hulk right i was like you're, you're this is tactile this was made by somebody i was like Obviously, somebody's, you know, back there drawing shit, putting it on this. I don't know, yeah. computer shit. They're doing it with computers. I was like, somebody physically had to make this from their mind. 
or they didn't yeah. have any of these algorithms. They didn't have any of these software programs that will help them out. They had to physically come up with this stuff. And they, all of this was just made just by engineering. And he was like, there's, there's no Hulk. And then he just walked <laughs> off and I was like, God, this kid is infuriating. It fucking but, but it's, <laughs> but it's true though, right? Because like he's seen so many other things yeah. that are totally beyond that level. Yep. So you can tell what you know, it's funny too, because even I remember as a kid, um, seeing the original king kong right yeah and i still dug it and i still love it i had this big massive king kong comic book Mm -hmm. of the thing so i knew what was going on in the story before we saw it like on tv kind of thing anyways um but even at that young young age i had already seen some like ray harryhausen stuff on tv right at least when they show those movies on tv like sinbad and that stuff like that so i had seen stop motion done in the 60s versus the stop motion done in the 30s yeah. right so i was able to tell oh that stop motion is not as good as the stuff i saw but i was still into the movie you know what i mean like i was still able to be drawn into the story you mm-hmm. know which was cool absolutely but i get what he's saying i, I get it i'm hoping <laughs> it'll come back around um <laughs> this one uh so this one's by eight-legged bird uh awesome his name gets brought up a bunch in previous episodes your name being the guy's talking about uh question which one came first your interest in animation or your interest in martial arts also how has each informed the other over time you know it's funny i think i mean animation was probably first just because when you before you even know what a martial art is i'm watching like the old episodes of like you know i'm watching like speed racer or like Mm -hmm. kimba the white kimba the white lion um or like uh, battleship yamato which at the time was called Star Blazers for us mm-hmm. in America. And then, you know, um, G-Force, you know, Gotchaman. So I think I had a love for film and animation, like from like infancy, right? To a certain degree. But in very short order, we started discovering martial arts. So we've been into that stuff for a long fucking time and just had no one to teach us. So we would just, there would be a thing called Kung Fu Theater. Yes. that would be on TV here when we were kids. And we watched that stuff and we would watch like the Bruce Lee movies and all the Bruce Lee ripoffs with Bruce Lai. Yeah. And it's funny. We were young. We, we just, we try to emulate it and do it. It's funny too. Cause like, you know, they show him in some of those movies doing like um, training Wing Chun, mm-hmm. Wing Chun dummy. And, and it's funny cause my, my mom had this, this big piano in the living room and we were kids of a certain height and we realized, Oh shit. If we like pick up the piano bench and put it on its lengthwise like this, it's tall and those legs come out kind of near where and we just like <laughs> and just try to like use that as a as a wooden dummy and then and then we'd put it back and then over, and over my, my my mom would get on the thing and like why the fuck is this a shit it, like it's like because all the legs got a little bit used because we're like these little kids are like banging our arms on that shit so and then like when conan came out like i think i was fucking like 12 or something like that like um I think, I think that came out in 80 or 81 and then it hit the movie channel, cable channels, which we had like in 82. So we'd watch that shit and, and, and all of Conan's sword stuff, they had a kinjutsu master teach them. So it's all loosely based on actual samurai fighting skills, oddly enough, for like these barbarians, you know yeah. what I mean? And there would be a making of, and we'd watch that shit. And we would, we learned all the moves, like the stuff when, when Arnold's out there, like when he's finally healed and he takes off the sword and he's that whole routine and behind the back, we, we taught ourselves that whole fucking thing. And we had these like lead pipes and we would use those as a sword. So we did that shit 
skinny little scrawny kids, but we learned it like straight up to a T. Um, so even before we had teachers, we had this fucking devoted love to, to all of that. And so I think at some point it became its own thing. Mm -hmm. And then therefore the skills I acquired, I was able to then bring back into um you know animation like the yes, samurai yes. jack stuff like the shaolin monk episode i literally was just like oh yeah so all, all this like the sword moves all that stuff i'm like yeah i was practicing that i was doing that just like the other day so here we go we just <laughs> animated you know because and i animated that shit you know for that episode basically like in, in tiny little thumbnails like like on ones just sort of like just so to make sure that the vendor in korea could at least hopefully get close to accurate you know what i mean and like they did an okay job but you know fuck that was a lot of drawing i can imagine it's funny i wrote one article one time uh last year and i used that that episode as a uh, example like everything you need to know about jack you learn in that episode what it takes to be a hero you learn in that episode he sacrifices everything that he let or he had torn from him by leaving that portal and going to help those monks yeah that is what a hero does a hero lays everything on the line the hero gives everything yeah it's not about at that moment it's not, not about, about themselves or what they yeah. want it's about what's what's right for yeah. either you know either the one or the whole it depends mm -hmm. on who they are that that is they're sacrificing for but yeah, that was a fun, great episode. I'd always been trying to get Gendy to like, yeah, man, fucking, we should do this fucking thing. I forget how it came out. I already said finally, like, yeah, okay, let's do a Shaolin episode. Um, but uh, yeah, that was that was that was a great fun one to do, man, because we were able to like get some of that kung fu in there, which was awesome. It was, and then seeing them come into the frame in the last episode, that was another like that whole sequence when they're fighting Aku. It, very emotional for me man uh yeah. so like i said i i really dug that episode um florida flamingo girl wants to know what's the main difference between choreography uh choreographing hmm. animated choreographing. choreographing thank you i don't know what the fuck i'm doing today it's 2 15 <laughs> in the morning that's what i'm doing i'm too oh, i'm sorry dude it's late for you oh i'm i was gonna be up anyways and then i smoked a joint and had coffee so i'm i'm pretty good <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I'm firing on all fucking cylinders, Brian. Oh, shit. Uh, what's the main difference between animated action and real life action? Uh, and mm. also, what was your favorite way in which you helped Jack flesh out the world of Samurai Jack? Wait, what was the how? What was the last one? The last one. What was your favorite way in which you helped flesh out the world of Samurai Jack? it's funny it's that was a hard one to answer because like the premise of the episodes usually come from gendy mm -hmm. and then he and i work together on that particular episode that's assigned to me to to get at the details um so it's kind of like a it's a back and forth you know it's like it's teamwork you know um so i mean all, all the episodes i was able to do I, I i feel are the ones i'm glad i was able to bring to samurai jack like you know jack and the 300 the spartans oh that's such another beautiful one too you know what I mean? Like fucking love it. The ninja one, you know, I did that one. And, um, uh, you know, the assassins, the fucking assassin robots. Mm. Fucking love that one. And then, of course the blind archers, my bro, and of course the Scotsman, you know, so I mean, all of them have a little something. And then all the stuff we did in fucking 
you know, this season, like, like you said, like the ghost samurai, I even can't remember if that was even like an idea that Gindy had, or if that's something that I just simply did because mm-hmm. we know we needed him to be haunted. And I think I threw that out there because I wanted to see a samurai in full armor. I did too. You know? And, and so like, and, I did, and we just put it, I mean, I'm like, here it is. And he's like, fuck yes. And then it, it just expanded. Right. And then we're able to say, Oh, and we're going to keep bringing that guy back. And that represents these things, you know, it just started falling into place. So it's hard to pick one that favorite that I helped bring to this or like Jack versus the zombies. Like that was fucking fun as fuck to do. Um, yeah. I think I'm just glad I was able to do all of those and be able to have a hand in, in a helping getting with this vision, but also B get some of the stuff out of my system. Yeah. That I, I, I saw and wanted to do, cause whenever again, you, yeah, I'm always trying to push it you know and then for the other question is is there a main difference or what is the main or what is the difference between live action choreography and, and animated choreography um in my mind there's really no difference right to me it's choreography is choreography but how you get it out is a little different like what i if i'm doing something it's just me we drawing it or um looking at some stuff for influence and reference or inspiration you know going back to old fights because i watched a ton of hong kong fight stuff over the years when i was training and all that stuff and we'd love that shit right and um so going back to that stuff to see what some of the greats have choreographed before and you know borrow some moves or whatever and then sprinkle that in with your own imagination um so I mean, yeah, there's, but when you're doing it for real, you know, you're working with some stunt peeps and, you know, you're able to like, just get up and do it. You don't have yeah. to just like sit there and be like, oh, fuck, now I got to animate it like frame by fucking frame, you know, or pose it out. So, I mean, there's obviously that technical difference. Yeah. But in, in the end, you know, it's, you're still trying to make it exhilarating. You're trying to make it feel maybe not like something you've seen exactly the same way before you know trying to give it its own little spin and you know everyone likes to say like what's the story behind the fight you know like uh, and i get it there is true there needs to be a beginning and middle and the end there has to be some ebb and flow it has to be some flavor but um uh i think sometimes people can get lost as to what the story is they're fighting over the thing yeah and then you see it go the like, well that's one way to do it you know i thought like for example there's the um there's a there's an anime sort of the stranger and at the end, they've got this sword fight in it. And I think it's one of the best animated sword fights that anyone's ever done. Was it new they, looked, they, they looked at a lot of reference because, you know, the one guy's supposed to be from China and he fights a little bit more like with a Wushu style sword blade. And the other guy's like Japanese and he's got his thing. But the energy and the intensity, um, it's all there and it's all legit. And some of their cuts and choice of shots feel very like live action uh, influenced. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I love it because I'm like, oh yeah, you guys, you guys are nailing it. That's the shit I'm always trying to strive for. And look at you, you did it so cool. So I thought they did a really good job with that one. Yeah. Is that a newer or older anime? I think it's older, man. I think that was out like a ways, ways back. Um, I mean, that's you know, old, meaning it could have been like early 2000 to 2000s. Um, I don't I don't think it was in the 90s. I, I lose track of fucking mm-hmm. time. I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. It all, bleed, it all bleeds together um, at some point. But I thought they did a really, really fucking good job. So, um, yeah, totally. 
I have to give it a shot, man. Well, yeah. like I said, Brian, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, I'm I'm so glad that we we finally got a chance to sit here and kick it because yeah, man, I know it took a while. Sorry, but oh, it's crazy. no, man, you're out here making fucking Marvel movies and making all of us nerds have wet dreams in real life when we get to see <laughs> Marvel movies. So, I it doesn't matter what time it is. If I've got somebody that I want to talk to and they're willing to talk to me at fucking three o'clock in the morning, I'll be here at two fifteen waiting steadily. <laughs> for 45 <laughs> minutes man so it, it don't mean shit i don't sleep as it is anyways oh, um, but like i said this has been a lot of fun man i can't wait to do this again for a part two uh if i always throw this option out there but you don't have to uh if there's a if fans want to come and say hey man i like what you do are you on social media at all you try to stay away I, from social media I, i'm actually not really i, I stay i kind of don't do much of that stuff at all that's so good they, that's good yeah they can they can send some props to you and then you can let me know but or you know depending on i don't know how many other questions you have but if you get if you get questions like the same for next time too like so if we could if we are able to do a part two we could talk more about marvel stuff absolutely if, if there's still some samurai jack questions that come in or anything else like you know that's all good dude so um by all means and you know just just keep it handy and if it's a fun cool question i'm, I'm down i'll answer beautiful man if I can, uh, absolutely man like i said this has been a lot of fun uh, and and we do have quite a few more marvel questions but like i said i try to stay away from that one as much as possible because i knew we'd be on a rabbit hole for marvel um but like i said man uh this has been a blast uh, i'm so glad that we got to do this i'm so glad you worked on samurai jack because you were one of those people that breathed life into jack man you guys made well, this fun I mean, thanks man I'm, I'm glad people out there when fifth season was coming out and seeing how much people like really were like oh fuck yeah and we i mean that really i i can only imagine that it meant so much to Guinea, but you know someone who's been that, that with that show since the beginning it's like mm-hmm. it meant a lot to me i was i was glad that it had had such a wonderfully positive response on so many people so yeah so to you and all the other fans who love the stuff i mean thank you guys for watching it but thank you guys for also loving it i mean that's great you know so yeah thank you yeah, man. Well, the thanks all goes to you guys, man. You guys work hard. You guys knock this show out of the park, man. Like I said, he's been Brian. I've been Julian. This has been a What's in My Head podcast, and it's been another piece of your childhood. Good night. Right on, guys. My guest next week is the creator of Hey Arnold, Mr. Craig Bartlett. Enjoy the teaser. But Tuck Tucker, when you hear that man's name, what's the first thing you think of? You got a funny story? Yeah, he was such a practical joker, man. Oh, yeah. He was, he was just, just like relentless he was you know one of the things that you would say about an animator is they tend to be uh people people who are in touch with their inner child mm-hmm. i mean that seems like a really useful uh ability it, you know to be able to conjure memory of childhood and and i really wanted arnold to be about how childhood feels you know and so uh tuck was like a he had a he had a whole lot of kid in him and so the practical joker thing was just ridiculous. He'd he'd get like he had he he knew that people put up sign up sheets in the in the on the bulletin board in kind of the community space at Nickelodeon in, in the big studio. And he put up a, a a clipboard that had a pen on a wire, and it was one of those battery powered shock pens. So people would go get it and and write their suggestion and go like, and he, and he would he would like hide around the corner of the kitchens just so he could wait to see who was going to go for that pen. And he was delighted. He'd be like, Oh my God, you know, so-and-so shocked themselves on my, my trick pen. The other thing he did that is, is it seems apocryphal. It doesn't seem possible, but I even made a comic about it shortly after he died. I, 
I posted a comic about it, was when he was so tired of people stealing his sandwiches in the in the same community space, the kitchen, the shared big kitchen, that he made a shit sandwich. Jesus Christ. And and wrapped it up just exactly the same way and put tuck on it and do not steal and all the usual shit that he did. And someone took the shit sandwich. And there were no more thefts of his sandwich after that. <laughs> I, I'm I'm <laughs> myself for asking. Was it human shit? Was it dog? Well, shit? that's the question. I, I, he had a dog. He had a dog, Bruno, uh, uh, his hunting dog, who he would take hunting. I went out hunting with Tuck and, and Bruno a couple times. Um, uh, he he may have used a Bruno shit, and, and I don't know. It's really. And I thought, did he put jam on it to make it look like peanut butter and jelly? Did he? Oh, did he put lettuce on it to cover the shit? I do not know. That's the thing. It was like one of those things we all knew Tuck could put out a shit sandwich and it stopped the problem. But I, I wish now. I mean, it was one of those things when I made that comic. I'm like, man, Tuck's not even around for me to ask these questions anymore. So, so it's, it's he's become mythological. He's a he was a, a incredible soul. Very, very talented. He worked really hard. I remember he his office was always, he was just there working. Others might be milling around, shooting the shit with each other. Tuck was always working because he had stuff he had to do. He had really ambitious storyboards and he he had, a, there weren't enough hours in a day. And the, watching him work was always cool too because he would, his his uh, forearm would be covered with with black graphite from from, you know, very he was a very uh you know that kind of like active drawing where you you know you kind of put your whole body into it he was a very active drawer who really used his whole upper half to to uh draw and he he wore pencils out man he wore them down to a stub he was a, a, a phenomenon really cool person to know hey guys thanks for listening to the show if you're liking what you're hearing leave us a five star rating if you want to watch these interviews, just head over to YouTube and type in What's In My Head Podcast. Don't forget to hit subscribe there as well. And enjoy the show. Tell us what you thought about this episode in the comments, as well as over on YouTube. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you guys again next week.